On this episode of This Week in Linux, we've got some distro news with Salus Linux, Regatta OS, and Linux from scratch. Then the app news section, we're going to take a look at some latest releases from Blender, Digicam, and more. Then later in the show, we've got some cool gaming news for you. All of this and so much more. So welcome to episode 213 of This Week in Linux, a podcast by the Tux Digital Network. This episode of Twill was recorded live on September 10th, 2022 at tuxdigital.com slash live. I'm your host, Michael Tunnell, and if you're new to the show, this is the podcast that will keep you up to date with what's going on in the Linux world, and I'll give you my take as a 20-year-plus Linux user. So let's jump right into your weekly source for Linux. Good news. This episode of This Week in Linux is sponsored by DigitalOcean and by Bitwarden. This week, we saw the release of 11.2 of the Linux from Scratch project, and this LFS release includes updates to GCC 12.2.0, GLibC 2.36, and Binutils 2.39. The Linux kernel has also been updated to version 5.19.2, and a lot of changes to the text has been made throughout the books. For those who are unfamiliar with Linux from Scratch, you might be wondering what I mean by throughout the books. Well, I'll explain what the book part means because Linux from scratch is much different than the average distro because it's not really a distro. In fact, it's more of a guide and more of a, a tutorial to build your own Linux system from scratch, of course. For comparison, people say that Arch Linux and Gentoo are hard to install. And for many, that is certainly true. But Linux from scratch takes the difficulty level of installation to a whole other level. And we can do like an analogy for cars. So for example, most distributions would be like a regular car you go and buy and use. Arch Linux would be like a kit car where you buy the parts all together, then you put it together yourself. Gentoo and Slackware are kind of like you find the parts yourself individually from different dealers and vendors and stuff like that, and then you build the car. And then LFS, or Linux from scratch, is where you need to not only find those parts, you need to manufacture the parts yourself and then build the car. So it's a really interesting project and it is very cool. And I do think that if you would like to learn about how the Linux system works, there's a lot of value in doing it. But keep in mind, it's going to take a very long time to do Linux from scratch installs. So you're looking at a minimum of a week and probably much, much longer. So do it in a virtual machine so you can save your progress and that sort of stuff if you do want to try Linux from scratch. And if you'd like to learn more, links in the show notes. This week we saw the release of Salix Linux 15.0 and there are a lot of changes in this release. For those unfamiliar, Salix Linux is a distribution based on Slackware that aims to be simple, fast, easy to use, and stable. Now this is a lofty goal considering it's based on Slackware and Slackware is far from easy to use. And well, it's not as difficult as Linux from scratch, but it's not that far off either. Uh, another cool thing about Salus Linux is it's also fully backwards compatible with Slackware. So Slackware users can benefit from the Salus Linux repositories directly in their own system, which is really cool. 
Uh, Sailor's Linux is a desktop-oriented distro, and this release updates to being based on the latest version of Slackware, which is Slackware 15, which includes updates to XFCE with XFCE 4.16, which brings a lot of updates and improvements thanks to the use of uh, GTK3 as they ported XFCE to GTK3 uh, a few releases ago. Uh, Salix Linux 15 also comes with built-in Flatpak support and integration with the FlatHub out of the box. Now, this is really good because this new feature brings a lot of app availability to Salix Linux because there are so many developers out there now packaging their apps as Flatpaks. So this is going to be a big improvement for users of Salix. If you'd like to learn more about Salix Linux 15, you'll find links in the show notes. This week, I found a distro that is new to me which doesn't happen very often, so let's talk about Regatta OS. Regatta OS is a distro based on OpenSUSE that focuses on desktop usage and gaming. It seems to have a lot of conveniences built into this distribution, like for example, out-of-the-box integration with Google Drive, support for configuration of hybrid graphics in laptops, and a lot more. Especially in the gaming realm, they have a lot of cool customizations for that. But I want to talk about first their store app because Regatta OS also comes with their own store app and is a very nice looking app. And based on the screenshots, it looks like it does a lot of niceties and improvements to the experience of setting up and installing applications, including they have their own system for gaming installs, such as uh, installing Grand Theft Auto V and Overwatch and all that through the game access portal that comes built in with Regatta OS. And this also has optimizations for gaming like AMD FSR built in. Now, if, if that wasn't interesting enough, Regatta OS also comes with the KDE Plasma desktop environment and some really interesting enhancements that they've decided to make to the Plasma desktop. Regatta OS comes with a lock mode on widgets, which Plasma used to have a lock mode, but this is a for a new up-to-date version. They have added the lock mode because they think that it's good to have it for people who might accidentally change stuff for their system, like accidentally deleting panels and that sort of stuff. I don't know how often that would happen. Uh, it, did, it didn't happen that much to me, and I think that's why they got rid, not to me, but I think they got rid of it because it didn't happen that, that much anyway. But it's interesting to see they decided to bring that back. Now, there are there is one feature that I think that is fantastic that Regatta OS has, and I would love to see KDE introduce it into the system because there is this this feature is the ability to have a reset back to defaults, which yes, I would love to see KDE do that. So you can go into the control center for Regatta OS and use the restore to default settings feature that basically uh, when you reboot your system, everything is back to normal as it came out of the box. Now, I've not had the opportunity to try out Regatta OS myself just yet because I just found the distribution, but it looks really interesting, especially with that feature of resetting defaults. I want to try that. And now, it's also based on OpenSUSE, like I said, which is really cool because OpenSUSE is one of the most powerful distributions that are, exist, but it also suffers from, well, having a less than stellar out-of-the-box experience. So there's there's a lot of potential that OpenSUSE has. And I've always thought that if OpenSUSE were to put some effort into the polish of the distro, it could be a fantastic option for a lot of people. And it seems like Regatta OS is kind of trying to do that, which is really cool. And I'm also interested in checking out the modifications they have made to KDE Plasma because 
it might be a first step to get some of these things into KDE Plasma itself, like the reset to default settings feature, because if they already have this built and it's working well, then it might be something that KDE could check out to kind of see if they could pull it into Plasma directly, which would be amazing. And please, please do that. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like to learn more about this uh, distribution called Regatta OS, you'll find links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by DigitalOcean. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. Also, with DigitalOcean, you get predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. That's DigitalOcean. And for example, the marketplace system is amazing. It makes it's possible to just a few clicks to get up and going with all kinds of different types of software to just really quickly set up droplets, and I love it. Now, you can also get support at every stage of growth, whether you have a team of one person or a team of a thousand people. You have simple, powerful cloud computing services at DigitalOcean that make it super easy to get started and grow. Also, as a listener of the This Week in Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a 60-day, $100 free credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux 2022. That's do.co slash tux 2022. So go ahead again, go right now to do.co slash tux 2022 to get your $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform. This week, we saw the release of Blender 3.3. And of course, this being an incredibly popular 3D modeling project, arguably one of the most important open source applications ever made, there is a lot of changes and new features to this latest release of Blender. So Blender 3.3 is also the first LTS release of the 3.x series. So let's talk about some new features that you can check out in the latest release. So Blender 3.3 is the ver first version to include the new hair grooming system, which has a sculpt mode and support for geometry nodes. Also in 3.3, the line art modifier is now able to uh, calculate accurate cast shadow and as well as light slash shadow separation lines given a light source reference object. They've also have uh, added support for the rendering on the latest Intel GPUs using the one API. Now this relates to the uh, primarily focused on the architecture and the, the future Intel GPUs like the Arc GPUs. Uh, they've also made some changes and improvements for AMD. So the, AP, the AMD GPU rendering for Vega generation graphics has now been enabled. So this means that the GPUs and APUs are supported, which could be, you know, there's a variety of different uh, types of hardware. So that's Radeon 7, the Radeon RX Vega series, and the Radeon Pro WX series as well. Now, also in this release of Blender 3.3, they've added procedural UV unwrapping. The new UV unwrap and pack UV islands nodes opens the possibility of creating and adjusting UV maps procedurally using geometry nodes. Now, if you don't know what that means, I would like to explain it, but I don't either. So you want to check out the notes that the release notes that you'll find a link to in the show notes, because of course I'm only like scratching the surface here. Blender 3.3 has a ton of new features because basically every time there's a new release of Blender, they, they can't just make a, a small update. They have to have 
hundreds of different changes. So if you want to learn about what is new, all this stuff that's new in Blender 3.3, you can check the links in the show notes. Let's talk about bottles, not water bottles, not wine bottles. Actually strike that. Yes, on the wine bottles part. Because Bottles is a very cool open source application to help you manage your various programs and games on Linux with Wine. Some features that Bottles offers is uh, gaming environments. It comes pre-configured to support a large set of Windows video games on Linux. Uh, Bottles introduces a new way to handle Windows prefix using environments like a combination of ready-to-use settings, libraries, and dependencies. Also, Bottles has installers, which makes it easy to install games and applications into your Bottles and a lot more features. Now, this latest version of Bottles, version 2022.8.28, was released recently, and there are some really cool updates to talk about for this release. Bottles can now check for missing runners. It's possible that a bottle might be altered or imported without all the necessary components. So now it can check for missing runners to inform you if something is missing. Plus, they made it possible to easily fix this by installing missing runners from the app preferences system. And the biggest improvement for this latest release is the new library mode. Bottles has added a library mode as an experimental feature for some time, but this release moves that feature from experimental to production ready, which is awesome because the library mode allows you to view all of the games and apps installed across different bottles, which is very, very cool. Previously, you'd have to know which bottle your apps were in before you could, you know, to do it. So you'd have to keep track of it yourself. And bottles, well, it's it's basically a wine prefix manager. And because of this, you would have to open the bottle to access the programs install it, installed inside of it. And if a user has multiple bottles, it can become a little bit unwieldy to keep track of where everything was. Now you can add stuff inside of various bottles to the library mode to have access to all of your programs in one screen, regardless of which bottle it is installed in, which is pretty awesome. And if you'd like to learn more about bottles, the latest version, or check it out for yourself, you'll find links in the show notes. Digicam is a professional photo management software from the KDE community, and this week they released Digicam 7.8. This release brings various improvements to the application, such as HIF images are now recognized as the modern version of the HEIF images. Uh, Also, they have better improvements for PSD or the Photoshop documents. It now supports grayscale and 16 bits. The translations have been updated for this release and much, much more. Digicam 7.8 also features an updated internal RAW processor, which adds support for 10 new cameras like the Canon EOS R3, R7, and R10. Also cameras from Fujifilm, Sony, DJI, and Nikon. The Digicam team also announced that Digicam 8.0 is in the works, and that will be using the 6 series of the Qt framework, which is exciting news for performance improvements and should also help with the development efforts going forward thanks to the optimizations of Qt 6. If you'd like to learn more about Digicam's latest release, you'll find links in the show notes. This episode of This Week in Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com tux. Bitwarden is an awesome piece of software. It is a password manager that allows you to have peace of mind knowing that your online accounts are secure. How does it do it? Well, Bitwarden provides you with tools to store all of your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords for you, even automatically generate uh, usernames for you now, and 
of course, automatically fill in those passwords on login forms, so you don't have to do any of this stuff. Plus, you can have access across many different types of devices, whether it's your web browser, mobile applications, desktop applications, or even on the command line. Bitwarden also seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end -end encryption before it ever leaves your devices, so you know you're the only person with access to your data, which is incredibly important and one of the main reasons I'm a big fan of Bitwarden. So go to bitwarden.com tux to get started. Did I mention you can get started for free? Well, you can, but I think you want to check out their premium account because they have a lot of great features that start at less than a dollar per month. That's $10 per year. So if like less than a dollar per month, wow, there's no reason not to get this. So you get one gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, Duo, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator for one, temporary one-time passwords, Priority Customer Service, Bitwarden Send, and so much more. And they keep adding more and more features to the pros, pros, the premium service. So there's more and more new reasons every month to check out Bitwarden's premium thing. And especially it's less than a dollar per month. I mean, make the smart move like many of the community have and go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started with your account at Bitwarden. The Kubuntu Focus team have announced a new product to their lineup with the Kubuntu Focus NX. This is a small form factor PC for people who are looking for a powerful computer that doesn't take up a lot of space. The NX is essentially an Intel NUC type device that can be configured with either a 11th generation Intel Core, bear with me on this, i7-1165G7 or an Intel Core i5-1135G7. <laughs> So uh, this is based on 11th generation of Intel. I would have liked to have seen 12th generation hardware since that's the current version, but it is what it is. Uh, it comes with an Iris XE graphics. It comes with eight gigabytes of RAM by default, but it's also configurable to up to 64 gigabytes of RAM. It has 250 gigs of Samsung NVMe storage, which is configurable up to two terabytes of storage, as well as a space for a second SATA SSD if you wanted to do that. And it has the typical ports you might expect, such as one HDMI, uh, one mini display port, uh, three USB-A 3.2 uh, ports, as well as two USB-C ports, as well as a, also an Ethernet port, which is very important for people who are wanting to have a powerful machine and not wanting to rely on Wi-Fi. And another interesting feature is that it comes with a set of far-field quad-array microphones. I'm not quite sure what the intent here is for these, but if someone were wanting to make a very powerful Mycroft box, this sounds like it could do it. So uh, if you were interested in checking it out, the price for the Kubuntu Focus NX starts at 695 USD. And I should also note that this device is only available for shipping to US and Canada. So if you're in Europe or somewhere else, it's not going to be available to ship to you. Uh, so I'm sorry about that. But another note that I wanted to make about the Kubuntu Focus devices, at the, as these are not made by the Kubuntu team. This is a separate company that has a partnership with Kubuntu. So to use the Kubuntu operating system as well as the Kubuntu name in their products. So if you didn't know that, I just wanted to clarify, these are separate projects, separate companies, organizations, that sort of thing. So if you'd like to learn more about the Kubuntu Focus NX or their other products, you can find links in the show notes. This week, Valve announced they have opened repair centers for Steam Decks. Previously, if a Steam Deck owner had issues with their device, it would be quite a chore as they would have to get parts and repair kits from iFixit 
and then repair it themselves. So now you can send it off to a repair center if you encounter an issue with your Steam Deck. And this is great because this will have it where someone will also diagnose, diagnose the, cert, the device and see if there is something that needs to be repaired or if there's just some kind of bug that you're experiencing and they'll fix it and send it back to you if there is something. Now, this is really cool because these repair centers offer repairs for free on issues covered by warranty, as you would expect. They also offer a diagnostic service for anything that's not covered by the warranty so the customer can choose to repair it for a fee or have the device sent back to them as is. Now, of course, if you prefer, you can fix it yourself with the repair kits and replacement parts still from iFixit. But this is really nice to see because I think this is going to be a relief for some people who may not be willing or interested in taking apart their Steam Decks because, you know, not everybody is equipped to ch take apart these kind of devices and put them back together properly. I know it's kind of weird that this is big news as most of the time this is like a standard procedure for these kinds of devices, but this is great because it shows Valve's gamble on making the Steam Deck is paying off because there are so many people who wanted a Steam Deck that they have to expand the infrastructure for the device, which is awesome. If you'd like to learn more about this and check out the, the, the announcement from Valve, you'll find links in the show notes. In a previous episode, we talked about the efforts Canonical and Ubuntu have been putting towards Linux gaming. And this is great to see because gaming is a very important component for the Linux ecosystem to grow. Though it has taken a while for Ubuntu to start putting in this effort for gaming. You know, as they say, though, it's better late than never, right? So Ubuntu has been improving their snapped version of Steam by adding Mesa Utils to help with testing and debugging graphics drivers issues and other improvements. Uh, Pharonix is also reporting this week that Canonical has been working on snapping uh, Feral's game mode project. For those unfamiliar, game mode is Feral's daemon for being able to automatically set the CPU frequency scaling governor to performance mode among other system tuning dynamically when games are launched and also restoring them back to the prior settings after exiting the game, which is really cool because it allows you to enhance the performance of the game using game mode. And game mode also has been already available for flat packs for some time. So it's interesting, it's interesting to see these, this effort being put into having these uh, support for game mode in these universal formats. And I think this is good news overall because it shows Ubuntu putting continued effort into improve Linux gaming on the Ubuntu platform. And even though I know some people aren't gamers, Gaming on Linux is a critical piece for growing the Linux ecosystem on the desktop, so I'm always happy to see any kind of effort there. So fantastic work there from Canonical. If you'd like to learn more about this news, you can find links in the show notes. This week, we're going to introduce a new segment to Twill. In this segment, I'm going to tell you about what's new in Tux Digital over the week. First of all, for those unfamiliar with Tux Digital, maybe you are new to the show, and if so, welcome. Well, Tux Digital is the network that this show is part of, and in addition to Twill, there is also Destination Linux, and on this week's episode of DL, we had an awesome guest join us for episode 293. Gardner Bryant joined us for an interview, so you don't want to miss that. And also, we have a show called Hardware Addicts. This week's show was very enlightening because we took a look at a new technology for CPUs that replaces electrical wires with light. Yeah. I agree, that doesn't really seem like a real thing, but apparently it is, and this is why I highly recommend you check out the latest episode of Hard Reddicks, episode 68. This and so much more are awesome stuff and great content on TuxDigital.com, so check it out. I'll have links 
in the show notes. Thanks for watching this episode of This Week in Linux. If you like what I do here on the show, please like that smash button and be sure to subscribe. If you'd like to support the show and the channel, we have multiple ways to contribute via Patreon, sponsors, and others. You can become a patron by going to tuxdigital.com contribute. And if you do become a patron, you can join me during the live stream in the recording stadium to discuss stuff between topics and to just hang out every week after the show in the patron-only post-show. Plus, you can also support the show by ordering the Linux Everywhere t-shirt or the This Week in Linux shirt, which is what I'm wearing right now, at tuxdigital.com store. Plus, while you're there, check out all the other great stuff we have like hats, mugs, hoodies, stickers, and so much great stuff for tuxdigital.com store. If you'd like some more podcasting goodness from me, then check out the latest episodes of Destination Linux and Hard Radix, as I'm a co-host of both of those shows on the Tux Digital Network. And just a reminder, this show is live every Saturday at 1 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time or 1700 UTC. So join us in the live chat room to discuss all the latest Linux news each and every week by going to tuxdigital.com live. Thanks again for watching. I'm Michael Tunnell with the Tux Digital Network, and I'll see you next week for another episode of your weekly source for Linux good news.